Welcome to Buy My Telingual today. My name is Elizabeth Aitai and I'm your host. My guest today received her MFA from the Hochschule für Künste in Bremen under Professor Rolf Thiele and attended the comic school in Sweden before moving to Berlin. Her work ranges from finely drawn comics in ink and watercolor to large-scale oil paintings with portraits against the backdrop of Nordic landscapes. She explores the artistic intersection of the two disciplines, including spatial murals, collages, comics on canvas, and watercolor works. She has published fanzines and comics. As a musician, she has released several recordings and combined live shows with performance, which in turn appear in her comics. Let's get started. Thank you so much for being here and part of this podcast. I really appreciate your presence. Thanks for having me, Lisa. As always, I start um, by asking my guests to introduce themselves and then telling us where they're from and where they currently reside. My name is Nora, Nora Bello. I'm born in Trier in southwest Germany. My mom is Swedish. She's born in North Sweden, but she moved to Germany to study, met my father, who's half German, half Serbian, and they stayed together in Trier, where I was born. Now I live in Berlin, in Germany, and in the meantime, I lived a few years in Sweden. Mm -hmm. How many languages do you speak? Uh, I have to think. So I think it's six. It's a German, Swedish, English, Italian. French and a tiny little bit of Icelandic. Oh wow. Which of the languages would you say um is your native language? German and Swedish German are my Swedish. native languages. And would you say you grew up with these two languages both being equal in status? No, because uh I was born in Germany and my parents didn't speak both languages when we were small so they both spoke German to us my mother mm -hmm. who's Swedish she also spoke German to us mm -hmm. so she didn't they didn't bring us up like parents do now that each parent speaks his own native language mm -hmm. with the children but we spoke German and I learned Swedish with my grandparents mm -hmm. more or less you learned Swedish more through oral conversation definitely yeah conversation also like um, children's books fairy tales or playing with my cousins in Sweden and I was also interested in learning it so my brother for example he's three years younger and he was not interested in learning it he wanted me to translate but I I don't know I was four or five years old I really wanted to learn the language so yeah It was a lot through Astrid Lindgren. And my mother taught me and um, yeah, my, my Swedish family, which is quite big. And we mm -hmm. meet them every summer for six weeks. Now maybe for three weeks mm -hmm. because we don't have as much time as before. But when I was a child, we were always there a few weeks all together, like 20 people, the Swedish family, the mm -hmm. Swedish clan. And they all spoke Swedish together. So, of course, I also wanted to know the language and speak to my cousins and play with them. And when it comes to reading and writing, was it your mom who taught you? I don't remember that. I mean, I didn't, the writing was nothing I had to learn. It came from reading, of course. Mm -hmm. I mean, I learned 
reading and writing in German. And um, yeah, writing in Swedish comes from reading Swedish, okay. I guess. Okay, interesting. And what about you said you speak English as well and French yeah. and Italian? Yeah. And a little bit Icelandic. Yeah. How come Icelandic? I mean, uh, French, English is being taught at school. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then Icelandic, how do you relate to that? Icelandic was, um, I was just interested in Iceland. Mm -hmm. I liked Icelandic horses. I liked Iceland mm -hmm. as such, as a country. I was there for a, a, an artist's residency. And um, before I thought that I would come quite far with Swedish mm -hmm. so that I would, because it's the same origin as language, but mm -hmm. Icelandic is much older than Swedish. Mm -hmm. So Swedish has been modernized over the years and is much shorter and more to the point. Mm -hmm. While Icelandic is um, very, very old fashioned. They don't have um, many loan words. They still keep the old descriptional way of speaking. So, for example, TV wouldn't have like, in Swedish you would say TV, or television or television. It's all a little bit similar and comes like from one origin. But in Iceland, it would be like describing the flat screen that you're watching. In Icelandic, the word for TV is Hónvarp. And uh, I mean, it's also in German, you have the word Fernseher, it's actually the same, but it means like looking far. Which is a translation of television. Exactly, but like it's, in, it's still in the language. So they haven't picked up the loan word, okay. you know, or mm -hmm. like all words are like this. Yeah, Could it be that because they were not part of the former Roman Empire and because they're an island? Eh, that's uh, that's a good point. I think probably because they're an island mm -hmm. that uh, the influences were rather small because I think also with other things apart from language, um, yeah, of course, they have quite uh, an isolated um, society as well. There's just 300,000 people. I don't know how many it is now. Maybe it's a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But 300,000 people, this is like Berlin. It's just the, the quarter I live in and, or the block, if you say right. so. <laughs> 300,000. So it's really not a lot of people. So if I got that right from your previous answers, um, you learned to speak and write German in Swedish kind of simultaneously, more or less. Well, not really. I mean, the German started immediately okay. with both yeah. parents and Swedish came by and by when I was okay. three, four, five. Mm -hmm. But still at quite a young age, I'd say. Yeah. Preschool. Um, what about um, learning your third language, which was? That was uh, English mm -hmm. and started, yeah, when I was 10, 11 mm -hmm. at school. Okay. And then you added? Then, then two years later came French mm -hmm. and both languages uh, or learning both langu languages was grounded um, by these trips we made with school to the mm -hmm. countries. So going to France and going to England, making friends there, going to school there. Mm -hmm. You called it these um, 
Austausch, Exchange programs. Exchange programs in school. And that was really very, very helpful to learn the languages. Mm -hmm. And I, for me, it was always easy to pick up the pronunciation and the melody of the languages. Mm -hmm. And when you were there and had friends there, it, it was fun also to learn mm -hmm. the languages. Mm -hmm. So and afterwards, you always had friends to write letters to or you fell in love to someone yeah. and so yeah, it was kind of Good fun as well days. you had <laughs> you had to learn the language because of this i know you have a husband who's italian um i'd be curious if you learned italian through him or independently and then another question would be what about serbian have you ever learned that uh, i can start with serbian mm -hmm. because the answer is very short my father does know his serbian family mm -hmm. So we never, we never had contact to that part of the family. And I also never learned Serbian. I had, uh, like 10 years ago in the music scene, a lot of Croatian friends. So I started to learn Croatian, but that was parallel to the Icelandic and both languages were quite hard to learn. Mm -hmm. So at some point I decided that it's too much and mm -hmm. stop the Croatian. Because, uh, yeah, it was also a totally different language for me. Icelandic had the connection to Swedish. Mm -hmm. Croatian was super interesting, but a lot of grammar. And, yeah, it was my connection to the Serbian, mm -hmm. so Serbo-Croatian. Mm -hmm. And the Italian... Quick question, sorry. Yeah. When you were learning Icelandic and you said it was very close to Swedish, did this fact enhance your learning experience or did it make it harder? No, that makes it easier, of course, mm -hmm. because um, a feeling for the language is there. The base is the same. And what I meant before that I went to Iceland and realized um, I couldn't uh, communicate there with the people with my Swedish, which I thought mm -hmm. before, because I always spoke Swedish to my writing teacher. Mm -hmm. We were writing there in mm -hmm. Icelandic courses. And I thought we would understand each other. But afterwards, He told his niece who spoke English, I don't understand anything she says. <laughs> She's talking to me in Swedish. I don't understand anything, but I smile. <laughs> so, yeah, we couldn't really communicate like this. So, yeah, I started mm -hmm. to take uh, Icelandic classes with a private teacher. Oh, very committed. Yeah. language yeah, 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 no, it was really? so much fun. I remember that was, um, it gave me so much these lessons mm -hmm. and what about italian yeah that was different um i started yeah teaching myself like with a book maybe in 2010 or something that was also an artist's residency so i went to abruzzo in italy for a month or five weeks and uh yeah the experience there was similar Nobody spoke anything but Italian, mm -hmm. so they didn't speak English. They didn't really speak French, mm -hmm. no German. And uh, it, Italian was really easy to pick up as a language. And the French that I already spoke helped me a lot because the words are very similar. Just the pronunciation is different, of mm -hmm. course, and maybe also the use of it. But mm -hmm. it was already kind of close and not mm -hmm. so hard to learn. And mm -hmm. I, I loved Italy. I loved Abruzzo. I loved the people there and the openness and easiness. So I really wanted to communicate with them. Mm -hmm. So it was more about the people there. 
So I started and I was really a big fan. And then I met my husband who was Italian about a year later. And uh, I didn't really learn it with him because his German is very good. So we speak German together. I learned Italian mostly with my mother-in-law mm-hmm. and my father-in-law. Oh, cool. Because they don't speak German or English. Uh, he speaks a little bit French, but yeah, no, they wanted me to learn Italian and they were really super supportive. They were so, so um, patient and happy and uh, taught me in an easy way to speak. So yeah, that was really, really good. That's really nice. And it's very rare that you find native speakers who have the patience yeah. and really patience and yeah. time yeah, really. to allow you to go through all those many mistakes mm. yeah, yeah, and to stumble your way through mm. until you're flown. Yeah, no, that was really good. Lovely. Speaking of Italian, you have two kids, right? Yeah. And you said you speak uh, with your husband Italian and German. And- we speak mostly German. Mm-hmm. So maybe 70% of the time we speak German. Mm-hmm. Then we speak Italian in certain situations and sometimes English. So um, because our English is still better than the German Italian, mm-hmm. vice okay. versa. So if we want to be really precise, mm-hmm. sometimes we have to speak English. That's okay. also interesting. Okay, yeah. cool. And what about the kids? So the children are brought up uh, with our mother tongue. So mm-hmm. I speak German not Swedish, mm-hmm. just German. Mm-hmm. And Pietro speaks Italian with mm-hmm. them. So I could speak German and Swedish, but I feel like it's a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. So I speak German with them. And um, our daughter, she's seven now. She taught herself English. We don't know how. Oh, wow. We don't know how it happened, but she speaks English. Okay. So she was in a preschool that had Russian, German, and English. And we have neighbors from from America and Italy. And she's, at some point, she could speak English. I don't know why. That's cool. Yes, fantastic. <laughs> but she's in your footsteps, right? Yeah, I think she has really easy for languages. Mm-hmm. And she also enjoys it. And now she realized that her French friend, she can't understand what they're mm-hmm. speaking. Or her Arab friends, she doesn't understand what they are talking mm-hmm. so of course uh, yeah she now she wants to learn all these other languages and swedish as well and what about your mom does she speak was her swedish or german no she speaks german but when we're in sweden my swedish relatives they i tell them to speak swedish to the children mm-hmm. and when normally when we go home also my my younger son who doesn't speak a lot generally also not in german Uh, he picks up the Swedish melody and he enjoys mm-hmm. certain words and phrases and he wants to say them in Swedish. So somehow my son really has like, um, he likes the Swedish language. Ida likes English. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's very cool. funny. Um, if you um, think of today, like present time as we speak, which of the languages you speak as your main language? Um... Well, German is the most natural one for me, also because I live here now. If I lived in Sweden, it would probably be Swedish. Mm. So it depends a little bit on also the surrounding you have, which language you work in. And 
But I mean, I work also as a Swedish teacher and I read a lot of novels in Swedish. I like reading in Swedish. I prefer reading in Swedish to reading in German. I also, I like Swedish culture a lot more. I feel more connected to it. So I feel much more connected to Swedish culture than to German culture as it is now, like mm -hmm. modern culture, like film, TV, music, literature. That is for me much, much better in the Swedish society, much more interesting. I feel much closer to it also in my own creativity. So, well, I had to <laughs> take the literature, for example. I mean, there's a lot of good German literature as well, like older literature, mm -hmm. but modern literature, it's not really touching me, not really so interesting to me. And um, yeah, in the Swedish one, it can be very, very sarcastic, very funny, very dark. And uh, I find myself and my humor much more in that. Mm -hmm. Maybe also in the Swedish humor. It's a little okay. bit closer to me mm -hmm. than the German humor. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, German humor can be very dry. It can be sarcastic as well. Yeah, it's very, I think it's very different from the part of Germany you live in. So, oh. you know, we know, we both know Southwest Germany, yeah. Trier, certain kind of humor. And here in Berlin, it's different. Mm -hmm. I lived in, in Bremen in North Germany. It was totally different, totally not my thing. And in Sweden, it's different as well. And would you say that in Sweden, uh, there are also regional differences like in Germany or? Yes, of course. Oh, so, so which part of Sweden do you relate with? Yeah, that's also hard to say. I mean, I lived most of the time in Stockholm, mm -hmm. but my family comes from North Sweden. And probably that humor is... The, closer to me okay. the north swedish Jämtland. Mm. if you feel closer to swedish culture have you ever considered moving to sweden and leaving germany yeah i was in sweden after school mm -hmm. so i moved to sweden because i went to comic school mm -hmm. there and that was in the countryside more or less in hufors close to jävle so this was not in stockholm and i was there for a year which was mm -hmm. Very, very important to me. Also with the people I met there, mm -hmm. we were a little bit like outcasts in mm -hmm. the in the countryside. All these comic uh, personalities, like, you know, a big bunch of nerds together in a certain point in your life. So that was very important, I think, for all of us in that group. Yeah. That was uh, really interesting. And after that, I wanted to stay in Stockholm and I wanted to study art in mm -hmm. Stockholm. So, but first I went to some art classes and um, I was working in the graveyard in Stockholm. I was there for one and a half years. Then I was um, applying to different art schools mm -hmm. and um, the art school in Bremen. And there was a few in North Germany mm -hmm. that took me and it was quite hard to get in. And I didn't want to wait. Sure. So I moved from Stockholm to Germany to get into art school mm. there. But that was the only reason. Otherwise, I would have preferred to stay in Stockholm because I loved living there. Yeah. What about now? Would you move back now? No. No, I wouldn't. Mm. I mean, now, yeah, a lot has happened since then. So if we talk about Swedish culture, this is something I can enjoy everywhere. So I can watch the movies, I can read the books, I can read the comics. 
And of course, like the comic scene, the Swedish comic scene is in Sweden, of course. But otherwise, um, I prefer right now to live in Berlin because, I don't know, Stockholm feels a bit closed. Berlin is very open. It's very international. And um, a lot of stuff happens that is not mainstream. And in Sweden, the culture that you can yeah, live in is very mainstream. Okay. It's more homogenous. Yes, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You don't have so many niches. You kind of mentioned it, but I'd like to ask the question, how often did it happen that the hierarchy of languages switched? When I lived in Sweden, Swedish was my language. But because it was not uh, the first native language I had, when I first moved to Sweden, it took some time for me to adapt to it. Also, I remember to adapt to the humor. I remember that uh, my first jokes in Sweden, nobody would laugh, you know, mm. from these friends in comic yeah. school. And um, it took me some time to, yeah, to adapt to that somehow. But then after a while, when you start dreaming in Swedish, thinking in Swedish, writing in Swedish, and um, when it's painful to come back to Germany and switch to the German language. No. Yeah. So yeah, it's you have to switch. Mm -hmm. Do you or have you ever felt fatigue switching between languages? Yeah, just what I what I mentioned. This uh, it's kind of painful. It was it's always painful to come back to Germany. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. This is I have heard more Germans say this. Also before now, it's not like this anymore because you can just cross the border. But before, if you met like the German custom people, mm -hmm. that was so unfriendly. And uh, so <laughs> I don't know how to, to describe this. It sounds unpleasant, but um, yeah, the rudeness. When it comes to emotional states of yours, which language do you feel most comfortable with to communicate them in? Um, that's different it can be german or it can be swedish mm -hmm. so i had a diary before and i like to write swedish in my diary mm -hmm. you have no problems switching between languages no no it's so it, yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah and writing lyrics for songs it um yeah that for example that is hard for me in german what about your dreams what language do you dream in and If you ever dreamt in a different language but German, do you remember the moment you switched languages in your dream? And did that make you feel any different? Yeah, that's what I mentioned before, that when you're in a country for a long time, that you start dreaming also in that language. When I was in Sweden, I wanted to be in Sweden and I wanted mm -hmm. to be in the language. Fun for me. I liked, mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. So also dreaming and thinking in the language. Yeah, yeah. No, for me, this is like a fast. Yeah. You kind of invited it in. Yeah. What about memories and language? It's very connected, of course. Actually, for me, all those languages that we spoke about, also French, mm -hmm. for example, are connected to a certain time in my life. Mm -hmm. So French is very connected to the time between 10 and 15 mm -hmm. because I visited France a lot in that time and had friends there. And uh, I mean, English is present 
because my brother lives in London mm. and um, my nephews mm. and my sister-in-law are from London. And of course, I also speak English with Pietro sometimes. But my childhood is very connected to Swedish. And my mom has been singing Swedish songs for us. And I love those songs. And that mm. gives me a lot of harmony. And um, yeah, I remember the people talking in that language to me so also the german like my grandmother or my grandmother in sweden the things they would say in that language are there specific situations you would pick a certain language for yes so i would have not expected this response <laughs> <laughs> uh for example oh god yeah, yeah, yeah i mean that i could say so much me and my mom my mom speaks also very good german mm -hmm. And when we're in Germany, we speak German. Mm -hmm. When we're in Sweden, we're kind of slowly switching to okay. Swedish. But when we quarrel, it will always be in German. When we're in a good mood together, it would be in Swedish. Huh. But like the serious, more aggressive things, <laughs> when we want to be very, very clear and to the point, mm -hmm. it would be in German. And before, I, when I don't had kids, I would spend the summer with my mother We would go to Sweden by car and, uh, yeah, we would talk a lot, of course. And then in South Sweden, they have a certain dialect. So we would also, when we went through South Sweden, I would start speaking that dialect mm -hmm. to um, annoy my mom. <laughs> She would be very annoyed. I'm also not allowed to swear in Swedish. So I like to swear sometimes. Now I don't anymore because of yeah. kids and yeah. so on. But in German, it would be kind of okay. But if I would swear in Swedish, my mom would freak out. Why? Because maybe it's so much more intense for her. And it was not allowed in her family. It okay. was very, very, had a very strong impact, this swearing. Mm -hmm. So, but it's not, it's not inherent to the language. Like the more you get, go towards Eastern Europe, the worse it gets, the swearing, like the more insulting it gets. It's not that in Swedish compared no, to German. No, no, it's different. Um, in Sweden, you the swearing is more about shit and uh, moderate. Yeah, so it's um, uh, yeah, it's um, about shit and religion. Okay. So you have a lot of Satan and devils and stuff like this mm -hmm. and demons and hell and the shit swearing. Yeah. yeah. English, for example, mm -hmm. British English, it's very sexual, the swearing, mm -hmm. like fuck, can't, etc. And so the languages have their different style of swearing. Absolutely. So in Italy, it's also, as it's very Catholic, I think it's also very religious mm -hmm. and very sexual. In Sweden, it's not that sexual, the swearing. It's more about, yeah, bice or satan, helvete. Or so it sounds lovely, but it's insulting, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, yeah, I like swearing in Swedish. Yeah. <laughs> Has a nice flow. And speaking of flow, do you feel the rhythm of languages? And I mean, you're a musician, so I'm very curious. Of course, yeah, yeah. And I like it very much to um, to dive in the different melodies and rhythms and how it feels, and that my voice can also make it. I love mm -hmm. that. And for singing, of course, 
for a certain song, you would also probably pick a certain language. Yeah, for a punk song, I think German is great, but a Swedish, Italian or English is much more melodious. This is much easier to fit in a melodious song. Yeah, and German is very, um, very short and it can very good be good for rhythm. So if you have Most something as esatto, parlo uh italiano. -huh. <laughs> yeah, you have this uh, short staccato, uh -huh. and um, it's, you don't don't have that flow and that melody. You have breaks yeah. between words, yeah, and in Swedish you don't have breaks between the words. So uh, it's one a sentence is just one flow without mm -hmm. breathing. I try to teach that also to my without uh, breathing. Yeah, well, that's a joke. Okay. This is something I tell my Swedish students. Yeah. So try try to say the whole meaning without breathing, like one yeah. word. Okay. Take a deep breath. <laughs> <laughs> and um, from embracing all these different languages and making music, and do you feel a change in your persona? Have you ever felt that you were slightly different? Person? Yeah. Actually. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. This is also something my my friends tell me. For example, in Swedish, I have a much stronger voice. So my voice is um, a bit louder and stronger, but it's also because the language is like that. Yeah. yeah. So, of course, the voice changes a lot with the language. Mm -hmm. Maybe also the attitude. I like to adapt to that different attitudes. But can you describe the attitude you're, you're going through by switching languages? Like, you know, I if you go to Italy and then you go back to Sweden or come to Germany, like, Who are you in between? The difference between Swedish and Italian is not so big for me. Mm. But uh, yeah, German always feels a bit dry, very clean to the point, which is good as well. But it's not so spontaneous and not so much humor in the language. In Sweden, for example, you have you can have humor in in the different words. It's a bit hard to describe. In German, you would rather have a whole meaning, uh, like a metaphor mm -hmm. to say things. And in Sweden, you can, with the sound or uh, with the impact, the word can have different meanings. The Swedish vocabulary word pool is not so big. The German vocabulary is much, much larger. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of words. You have a lot of adjectives to describe mm -hmm. things, mm -hmm. which is actually fantastic if you're writing prose. Yeah. But um, in Sweden, it's like this, that one word can have different meanings depending on how you pronounce it, which impact you give it and in what situation you use it. it makes it hard to learn it, of course, because you have to to yes, learn about all these situations. So it's a lot of context. A lot of context, it. but you can also play a lot with the language. So that's very much fun. In German, it's much more precise. Yeah. Were there any frustrating situations when... Speaking one language. Yeah, I would say this, uh, what I talked about before, like I think the last thing you learn is on a very high level to do humor and to joke. So I found in Sweden, but this was also in Germany, like in North Germany, I found it very hard to joke, to make mm -hmm. jokes that people would understand mm -hmm. what I was joking about, yeah. what I meant, because uh, I was like being ironic. 
mm-hmm. and they would take it seriously and they would look at me like okay poor poor her yeah. <laughs> and I was like hey hello I was joking <laughs> you know where we come from Trier is uh, also you can talk very badly about yourself and you don't take yourself so seriously and you can say ah oh, I'm shit <laughs> stuff like I don't even remember that but you can't before. say this in in other countries or even in other cities no. Because people would be like, oh, why are you talking like this about yourself? Mm. Yeah, not serious, hello. Yeah, I found that very hard when I moved to Sweden, when I was 19, that people would think I'm stupid. And when I was joking, but also when it was about emotional things, when you wanted to be very, very precise about something, and I couldn't really be so precise. That was very frustrating for me. If you don't live in the country, you don't know the slang and you don't know how the words are used. So I had more this vocabulary that my family, my Swedish family used. Sure. That was This was more people in their 60s, 70s. And these were young people in their 20s or yeah, 19, 20, 21. And it wasn't the same language because they were so much yeah. younger and they had a totally different slang and uh, new different things in Swedish society that I didn't know, like stuff and on TV and everyday culture. Mm-hmm. So you actually missed out decades of language development because you grew up with turn of the century mm-hmm. Swedish and yeah. then you popped into almost end of the century Swedish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I never considered that. Yeah, yeah. so I came there, you know, I was a punk, I had green hair, and I came there with my, <laughs> with my auntie Swedish. Yeah. So, and that was maybe really funny for them. <laughs> well, I, I can't understand. <laughs> and I used that, and also I used these northern Swedish words mm-hmm. that were really old fashioned, mm-hmm. and they didn't even understand them. Like this, it's also now for people from North Sweden who come to Stockholm, for example. That they're being laughed at because mm-hmm. they have different way of expressing themselves, and they talk much less. For example, in North Sweden than yeah. in South Sweden, they use much less words when they mm-hmm. speak. Mm-hmm. So there's more impact in every word or okay. gesture. But that can be said for Germany as well. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah, South yeah. and sure. North. Was there ever a moment or a situation when you were conversing in a foreign language? compared to your surrounding and you were told not to please speak in the language of the majority of the group no none of the languages. no no right. no rather the other way around no i haven't had these bad experiences do you think it could have to do something with the fact that none of the languages you speak are actually it's a harsh word i'm using blacklisted in terms of you know like You speak Western languages, you don't speak um, Arabic or any languages that have, you know, political or historic uh, burden. Yeah, I think I haven't been in a problematic situation like this with my Mm -hmm. languages. I know what you mean. I never had bad experiences and problems Mm -hmm. because of my languages. Mm -hmm. Maybe just and, you know, like 30 years ago, if you spoke German, you would still be good. Yeah, like oh, Adolf Hitler and Heil Hitler and blah, blah. So that that experience have I made in all countries, in France, in Sweden, in England. Yeah. Now the question I have for you is uh, how do your multiple language skills impact your work, if at all? 
and your art as well. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Probably the language part of it, you would see mostly in my comics because I can mix the languages in the comic to a certain degree. Because, of course, if they're published or if they're printed, people will read them in one country. So if I mix German with English or Swedish and German, that could be a problem because not everybody understands all languages. So I would have to choose one language and translate jokes or other parts in the other language to that first language. You do it like with a little star if something's told in Italian or in Swedish because my comics are autobiographic. So there's also my mother or my husband's mother. They speak in Italian and stuff like this, which you can't really translate because it's so funny in the original. You have to say it in, in the Italian version, like uh, Maria, she says, move it. So it's also dialect, like move your ass mm -hmm. now. But yeah, it's so funny. She says it in this Italian dialect. Okay, so you leave those idioms in there, in the comic. Yeah. And, you, that, and then you get the translation. Exactly. So I would write a small translation on the bottom of the page. Okay. And as for my paintings, uh, my oil paintings, the motives are mostly from the Swedish culture again. Because mm -hmm. I said Swedish culture is the biggest inspiration for me. Mm -hmm. um, I have a series that's called Through Glass Darkly. And that's inspired from Ingmar Bergman films, mm -hmm. the movies, and Lee Wullman. And for those who don't know them, like younger generations, they're like from the 60s, 70s? Yeah, Ingmar Bergman is uh, the biggest filmmaker in Sweden mm -hmm. almost so everybody in Swedish culture knows him and he's from the 60s so he started with black and white mm -hmm. films very very slow very a lot of face a lot of theater influence mm -hmm. very dark very much about yeah religion and yeah. stuff like this and Lee Wullman is one of his actors and she's also a director How important would you see is language for the notion of cultural belonging? Oh, that's a big question. The cultural belonging. I guess it's super important. Now I can only speak for myself. I love Swedish culture. I also love Italian culture. But this is maybe not the identity I need. I don't know. Oh, it's hard to say. Maybe I need it as well. And you said at the beginning that you feel most comfortable or most at home in Swedish culture. Yeah, it's the most interesting for me. In my own creativity, in my art, I feel most inspired by Swedish yeah. compared to German. But I'm also very inspired by Italian art, yeah. for example. But um, So that's yeah. maybe why it's really hard for you to reply to this question. Since you speak all the languages at quite an advanced level, you have quite a lot of insight into each culture. Yeah, I mean, this is really a good point, but I can say it more from the perspective on Italian, for example. I really love the Italian culture as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have this window only through the language. I mean, without the language, you can only be an outsider watching it. But if you really want to get into, like read the comics or read the books, understand the lyrics mm -hmm. of the music I listen to, which I love. I love Italian music. Mm -hmm. And um, that's really the way into the culture through mm -hmm. the language. This might not really apply to you. Maybe, I don't know. I'm still asking the question. Do you consider yourself a migrant? And who is a migrant? How do you find it? 
Um, that's a good question. I mean, my mother is definitely a migrant in Germany. And I can more see it from her perspective. That, uh, <laughs> I mean, she's very cool with it, but she's been in this village for more than 50 years and they still ask her when she will go home especially after my father died he died 30 years ago so and then they keep asking her when she will go home and she doesn't have a home in sweden her home is in germany now for 50 years <laughs> i think this is very weird but she's she's fine with it she's okay with it so mm -hmm. it's not everybody seeing it like this But she will always be an outsider in this village. Well, she's in a she's embedded in monoculture, right? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, gets better, but sure. But yeah. slowly, in Berlin, it's see. it's different because this is really like a melting pot of yeah. different international people coming here, and people also appreciate each other. Yeah. I think and. Yeah, they appreciate that they, they have different cultures and um, stuff is happening here and everybody appreciates that vibe. I think it's maybe a little bit also a bubble. Well, monoculture is a bubble too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you like, it's like mean, many different bubbles, but I can't bubble. really speak for like how Germany is because I've been here for so long. Yeah. If I think of myself in Sweden, yeah. I don't feel like a migrant. No, I don't feel like a migrant. So not in Germany, not in Sweden. In Sweden, though, I have had like comments also from my family that I'm German. Mm -hmm. So they see me as the German and mm -hmm. Our part of the family, my brother, also my mother, who's born there, we are the Germans. So this is not how I feel. I feel like uh, I could live there as well as here. I have the passport. I have the Peugeot number. It's the number everybody needs who wants to work or to live in Sweden. And I'm Swedish. But for them, I'm the German. Yeah. But you're also German. Yeah, of course, I'm the German. When yeah, I'm here, I'm sure. I'm German, but I'm also Swedish. So, sure. but this is my personal thing, and nobody can take that from me. No. Would you also say I'm Italian? Yeah, actually, okay, that's cool. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Somehow, this is. Uh, I also have like an, an Italian identity. Somehow, I like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I like also that mm -hmm. the person I'm when I'm there. I mm -hmm. like that. Um. How would you feel if we just had one language, like a universal language? Oh my God, that would be so boring. <gasps> no, I would hate that. That would be so boring. Like in Sweden, there was a huge wave of eliminating dialects. And there's so much memories and culture in those dialects mm -hmm. that eliminating them, it also eliminated a lot of history. And I think that's very, very bad. Yeah, language is so important. There's so much culture and memories and history in it. And I think it's wonderful that we have those different languages. And of course, it would be great to be able to communicate to each other because not being able to communicate creates a lot of problems. Everybody should learn a lot of languages. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us today again. As always, I really appreciate your support and your interest in my guest stories. If you want to find out more about Nora's work, you can visit her website at norabelo.com.
www.ghostbusinessclub.de. Until next time, be well.